Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all doing well. First, I want to thank all of you for participating, not only by coming here and practicing with this community, but also joining on online on Zoom over the past year and, and before. Please continue to help us if you can. We need your help. This doesn't generate a product or a service. Well, not in the traditional sense of you pay, pay for this, you get that. But so something's happening here. If you value that, of course, continue to help us if you can. This morning, I want to talk about something that comes up occasionally uh, and comes up actually quite often a uh, one-on-one with uh, people who are direct students of mine. So, and it's something that I have not, probably not covered uh, as enough. Uh, or I think there's misunderstandings around it. So I'm sure there are. So I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to not only ask me questions, please don't hesitate. Please don't hesitate. If you have questions about this, uh, make them very direct so that you can, you can get a response that will be fundamentally helpful to you. <clears throat> and that is therapy, of which there are hundreds and hundreds of kinds of therapy, a few that are pretty common that we all know about. And when I say know about, I don't really I haven't studied therapy. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. Uh, I bar- barely had any formal training in anything other than this. But I've had half a century of this. So I don't know if you'd call me an expert. I I wouldn't go that far. That's making a lot of assumptions. Let's just say that that's something I'm qualified to talk about a little bit. Whereas therapy, I can't say much about that. uh, Other than I have had a little bit of therapy myself in a relationship uh, uh, with a previous uh, partner. Went to a therapist. I, I didn't think it was so helpful at the time, although I thought it helped her to some extent, gave her somebody to talk to. So I would like to start out by saying, you should you should uh, do whatever you need to do. I have people come to me, I don't discuss this publicly, who, who uh, do all kinds of things that maybe you would disagree with that aren't even therapy, that have to do with psychedelics, have to do with all kinds of ways of dealing with difficulty, with pain or with confusion and I'm I'm not for or against anything in particular, other than I'm very biased about sitting meditation. And of course, wouldn't I be biased about the way that I teach it? Why would I teach a way that I uh, don't particularly uh, uh, practice myself? So, <clears throat> so sometimes there you might get the feeling that I think that somehow meditation is a uh, you know, the only really valid thing to do is to do meditation. The people that aren't doing meditation, that are just doing therapy, are somehow lesser humans or something. And that is just not true. And I'm not going to go in and say, well, although I, I've said this, well, maybe you're not ready for, for a, a sitting meditation. Or, uh, and this is very, very hard to do, this practice. So I've said that before. I'm not going to harp on that today. So I would really appreciate any questions you have. About that, that might help us go into it. Uh, it might be interest some of it may interest some of you to know that I have several meditation students. A couple of them are fully ordained monks who are uh, therapists who work with people all the time. That's their how they generate their livelihood, and they're extremely good at it, and are able to help people with the the way the mind tends to work as to. To, and similar to uh, 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 Buddhist uh, practices to actually, when you believe your thoughts, you tend to get wound up in them and fight and push and pull and try to find out who's right, who's wrong. So some of these therapies, uh, I remember the early ones that I was reading about way back, uh, 
about the time I was getting interested in Buddhism, around 50 years ago, 60 years ago, somewhere in that area. Uh, cognitive behavioral, I think, happened after that, but that's very interesting to me. And when uh, when I was teaching, uh, and several of us were teaching at uh, the local um, drug rehab, there was hundreds of people there, and they were using moral inventory, cognitive behavioral work, uh, um, transactional analysis, all kinds of different things that help get into the structure of the way in which you're confusing yourself or buying into this and excluding that and so on and give you different dynamics whereby you could, you could possibly uh, get some help there. <clears throat> so not against uh, any of that. I uh, don't really teach it. Uh, although sometimes it may look like that's what I'm doing. I don't know. Um, I don't know how many we have, what I think right now there's four people who are students of mine who are, who actually, that's their profession is to be therapists. And uh, I'm all about that. So even uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, although he was a very negative, the beginning of Naropa Institute and so on, I think he was just trying to draw some of his students back into the meditation arena rather than in the uh, psychotherapy situation. But eventually, Naropa Institute started giving degrees in Buddhist psychology, and, and they, they're still doing that, to the best of my knowledge. So have, have some interaction here so we can get what it is that you would like to know, and I'm not sure what you'd like to know. Go ahead. She's unbowing. Can finding ways to support our physical and emotional well-being also support our practice of meditation? Yes. She's unbowing. In what, how can we relate to or address, move into those basic areas of just how we feel physically and emotionally that is supportive to getting to the cushion or practicing meditation? It's a pretty wide one there. Any suggestions on how I should work with that question? <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so uh, uh, paraphrase yourself. Give me that question a little bit more. Look who you're asking. Jeez, Sometimes there's a, a fundamentalism that can come across from practitioners. Yes. That I've heard people say to me, I don't want to do it with therapy. I want to do it with meditation as if they were opposed. And wondering how just, could you just say something about okay. working with the relative world, our emotions, our physical bodies that can support our practice? So you may need to to talk to a therapist. I have a lot, I don't know how many. I didn't count them, but a lot of students who uh, who had a therapist when they actually I became their meditation teacher. I didn't tell them to stop seeing therapy. Some of them shared with me what's going on. Some of them some of them don't. Um, but I feel that that's uh, can be supportive. I think it's in different ways. A lot of it I think just depends on the chemistry you have with the therapist. The you and the therapist have really have good communication uh, dynamics, and that's probably going to be helpful. Uh, can you be more specific about your question? Mm -hmm. One of the areas that's showing up is that some people are able to hear the instruction on shikantaza and resonate in such a way where they can go right into it. But sometimes the social conditions are so chaotic. Yes that there needs to be some sort of gradual path. And I'm wondering if the gradual path can work in tandem with this more immediate approach of Shikantaza. Yes. 
and uh, a person may may even um, may do both, may do um, try a shikantaza for a while and then possibly go uh, towards some kind of a more traditional uh, therapeutic approach of which there's hundreds of different ways and um, the therapists that are here today, do we have any therapists here? Kelsey and Sensu are online. Oh, good. So Kelsey and Sensu, if you have any, please have, if you have questions that can help bring us, uh, help everybody. You have a question, Sensu? Sensu Bowing, with your teaching that comes up so often that there's nothing to do or nothing to fix. Yes. How can we engage um, with that teaching as a therapist or as someone in therapy? Bowing. So first, it's your practice, your awareness practice. We aren't trying to get your uh, your clients or your patients or whatever you're however you're referring to them to meditate necessarily. You've heard me say that. Don't you don't necessarily tell them to meditate if they gravitate towards that. Then you might introduce it. But if it, but meet the, I say this over and over again. If if I can't do anything uh, well uh, at all, I think there's something I am pretty good at doing, and that's meeting everyone right where they're at. You come and sit in front of me. Uh, you'll, we won't be strangers. So, and this is something you already do. It's not a compliment. It's something you just are a natural to sit down in front of people and be with them, meet them. So there, after a while, they begin to trust you and tell you things about what's happening in their mind stream or what's happening with their life. And it may look like you might need to work in the, in the, in the area of, uh, that may show up as fixing. I just have to get rid of this. I have to stop this. I can't keep thinking this. Or the why questions. When you know why, you might have to do some why because dynamics with the person in order to actually, you could say, I don't know if this is a proper word, but lubricate the dynamics of communication so that you, when they're ready for it, if they're actually ready, they will ask questions that may take them deeper into the fundamental nature, capital F, fundamental nature of consciousness, which has nothing in it at all. But there might be a whole lot of uh, windstorms and tornadoes in their personal consciousness that looks like their thought patterns. You have to meet them with that. You can't just say, oh, uh, everything is empty of what you think. You can't start teaching Buddhist teaching to someone who uh, is not is not ready to hear this. This has nothing to do with their intelligence level. Uh, it has nothing to do with, with how advanced you are or they are. That's something that can come up because you may feel, they may feel that somebody's being evaluated or judged. But everybody, I mean, you know, uh, all the clients you have and all the students uh, that I have, I guess you could call them clients in a way, but everybody has their own flavor. You know, it's like being in Baskin Robbins. You know, everybody has a different flavor of craziness of not being really clear about what is going on. And some people, with some people, it's so extreme, uh, especially someone who is suicidal, is coming to you. You have to have an understanding. And the training that you have, uh, excuse me, the way that I work with uh, that situation will be, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a protocol for it. I don't have an uh, algorithm for that. But if they do this, this, and this, then you do this. I just meet them where they're at and do the best I can to support excuse me, to support their basic sanity, which would be, <laughs> don't end your life. <laughs> don't do that. I might I might joke about it a little bit. I know in your situation uh, as a therapist with all the laws, I think you're required to report that. Isn't that the case? Yeah. 
So uh, I'm not, I don't know if I'm required or not, but maybe. So meet them where they're at. In other words, if they're trying to fix themselves, you don't, you can go in and find out ways to work with that so that it supports them where that everybody's on a different side of the mountain, a different path, a different way of working with this. So I, I, I would appreciate it if people wouldn't jump to the conclusion that uh, somehow people who meditate are somehow superior to people who are approaching working with their mind stream uh, using uh, CBT or, or anything. There's so many different ways. There's, um, uh, I had an experience with one of my students, two of my students, I think they were students at the time, I don't know if they are now, but, uh, doing um, uh, cranial sacral work, which is, a, if you read uh, any definition of that, it's not accepted, there's no proof. So modern science tends to go in and instead of saying, does this help somebody, has this helped anybody? They would go in and say, well, there's no proof that it's helping anybody other than there's no scientific basis for it or something. Although I, I certainly got some help from, from that. Yes. She's unbowing. When yep. you talk about introducing somebody to their fundamental nature, is compassion part of that? Is there any sort of warmth in that fundamental nature, bowing? In, in yours or in the one you're talking to? All of yeah. In the, the basic realization of no self, no other. Yeah. Yes, there is. She is unbowing. In our intention to see the truth, there's a lot of meditation practice, which seems to be the foundation of what we're doing. Yes. Is there any way we can at least remind ourselves of that, of that kindness, of that compassion on the path? Bowing. Pretty broad one. So there, there are practices. There's a Maitri Bhavana. There's where you actually deliberately talk about that. You, you, extend that you have the intention to be with all things save all beings put others before yourself um <laughs> help me here <laughs> uh of course i, I it's, it's not it's not so so much i think with a, maybe with a therapist someone who's in uh, who is a uh, teaching uh who has been taught therapy techniques they probably are going to have kind of their own idea about that and a really good talk was sent you a few years back and I don't mean to reveal your techniques here, Senshu, but I'm about to do it anyway, is uh, you couldn't remember exactly what you were taught, but you seem to be a pretty good therapist. <laughs> Didn't you say something like that to me? Yes, you did. So, but anyway, I mean, uh, Senshu is a, is a good therapist. She helps people. How do you, is that scientifically, is there a scientific basis to that? I don't know if there is or not. It's just be with people. And uh, the compassion, the, the the it may show up as sympathy. It may show up as a, a feeling sorry for someone. Those are all valid emotions. I'm not here to discount anything. But ultimate compassion isn't necessarily, doesn't have a feeling dynamic to it necessarily. It can. But if it's ultimate compassion, which is about everything, you might not want the intensity of that feeling. That might That feeling might be so powerful the top of your head would blow off. So it's not just simple feeling for someone's plight. It's overwhelming. Nature of consciousness is vast. And everybody's doing the best they can to work with it. Go ahead. I might try one more time. And this is a lot easier one-on-one. -on -one. When I talk yeah. to you privately, this material comes out in a different way. And 
the one area we've talked about quite a bit is your inspiration and connecting with the community in the yes. work that we're doing with Karma House, yes. that we're doing with the library. And we do not teach Shikantaza in those environments. It's not helpful at this point. Not at all. And I just, I'm trying to find a way to ask about or bring out that inspiration and vision you have that is very much rooted in what we're doing here at the monastery and yet extends into the community in forms that we may not recognize as Shikantaza. Is there anything that you can say about your inspiration in helping people or your inspiration to connect with this community? I'd say we, we all, I need to meet people where they're at, not get them to be something else, be a monk or do Shikantaza uh, or you know, they may, they may not meditate at all. Or when they meditate, they may do eyes closed meditation. I don't, I say, have your eyes open a little bit. And if you want to close them, close them, but try it that way. See, you know, try to encourage that person's consciousness to work with the contrast between eyes closed, eyes open. Quite often people would prefer to have their eyes open, but I have had people that want to close their eyes, which is similar to a, a more conventional uh, mindfulness practice. Um, so I'm, I'm all about that. If no one ever practices over in the other, in the other buildings in uh, Karma House, which is a yoga studio and uh, uh, not necessarily teaching Buddhism there, uh, but are just trying to connect with the community in as many ways as we can through. There's two th therapy offices over there and you teach yoga over there on occasion and you and Kelly connect with the communities through the library and people have come from the library. Young people have come there and they aren't, they aren't, I don't think you're particularly teaching them meditation at all. Are you? You're just uh, we're teaching meeting. some um, sense awareness practice okay. and traditional mindfulness and breath, breath you practices. You try to find some pizza somewhere. We're trying to bring them something to eat yeah. every week. And that's some of the some inspiration is that yeah. we're talking with kids that, are in situations that are really hard to yes. imagine. So uh, completely in favor of that. That's part of what I'm, uh, the vision that I have. It's hard for me to uh, talk about that because it, the vision for me doesn't show up as a story about something. It shows up spontaneously when I meet people, when I look at the space, when I watch a squirrel run down the f on top of the fence, all the same thing, not separate. Is it okay to help, to try to help in a way that is correcting? Yes. Yes, just like when uh, we have somebody come up uh, to the door asking for money. We might we might give them money. We might we might say, well, I think you need to do something. Can you, we had someone digging a hole out here and back. I don't think we even had any use for the hole. We just wanted to have them do some work. Oh, I can't remember what that fellow's name was. James, yeah, but he came for a while, so there's a little bit of correcting going on there. I'm not sure if that's here. In our, in our in engagement, to, the correcting may not be the right word, but to try to help with these basic situations of, of violence and hunger and abuse. Um, does there need to be a more active engagement than don't do anything? When I say don't do anything, I'm not talking about some kind of a, a passive. I'm I'm not passive. 
but it needs to be, as I sometimes say, if, if you've not looked at your own aggression, then it's going to be difficult to to work with that uh, situation with a person who's being aggressive towards you without just giving them the same thing back that they came at you with. I'm not saying that uh, also that someone can't do that without meditating at all. Some some therapists just that I've met aren't meditators, but just have a powerful ability to just be with whatever's arising. Where that where that ability comes from, I don't know. I'm, I'm still. It is addressing what I'm asking about, and I think that it's it's just helpful to see that there can be a more active role played that our practice for ourselves may be less interference, but when we're invited into a space where we're seeing such difficulty that we can engage and be active. Yes. So I can continue. Yes. And does there become a point um, where therapy could be harmful or I don't know if harmful is the right word, but not helpful to our meditation practice? I don't know if I would go that far. I would say, I would say that anything is possible. Uh, if, if, the, uh, if, the, if the therapy is uh, trying to get you to change, to be a different person, to, be, uh, to uplift you in some way, there could be some value to that, but that would be so very, very personal that only you would really know that therapist isn't going to know for sure. They, they can't, they don't know what you experience. And this, this uh, meditation teacher can't really know what it is you're dealing with. That's why I, you, we've been talking for a number of years. You know how I work with those situations. I may not say in the classical sense, agree with what's happening, but also I'm not so completely full of myself that I, only I know what you should do next. You know, you, we do that together. I like to say that it's very mutual there's some people I like to tell what to do, and I don't, right? <laughs> I like to pick and choose them. Yes, sir. So how did you know you were the sir? You can, can you tell by the way my voice is getting bouncing off your mask? Basically, yes. Okay. <laughs> no, it's funny because yesterday Rumi and I had a very similar conversation that took me aback. Anyway, don't go back. For another time. Go ahead, Sanho. If I went into the situation where she is on in Kelly are and I heard some of these situations and a child asked me for help as an attorney who works in the domestic violence space quite yes. often, what is what is the teaching that you would give me as someone who has the capacity to assist in a way that works well with what we're doing here? True. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, I would say that I would put it back in your court. You're the attorney, and and uh, but I would say for your for your ability to be able to do that, spend a lot of time, uh, take it out of gear, sit down and watch the watch the movement in the mind that is not particularly uh, involved with working with them just your own particular get to know yourself get to know your own negativities positivities without uh interfering with them if you interfere then we try to we might have some success but the fundamental success that we need is to see what is fundamentally true and here we get off in a direction that maybe some therapies are going that in that direction that i don't know about I know there's some psychedelic therapy out there that I've heard of, been hearing about that sounds it's very interesting to me because that has a way of breaking down whether it's um, uh, 
psilocybin or other uh, other kinds of uh, what's what's the there's a the fancy word for it is uh, is ecstasy, but I don't know the technical word. MDMA. Yeah, MDMA isn't that being used in therapy in some way? So, but that's a, a way where I, one <clears throat> person uh, who's a student of mine is it's a very structured situation where you use that and you actually face the person and then, and you, I think you have your eyes closed. Is that true? You don't know about it. Okay. Well, if you're not the person. That's probably why you don't know. But I, I know, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, people who know people. <laughs> that's kind of like my situation. So I, coming back to, to uh, uh, Sano, to your question, I would say it's so completely situational that I, I, uh, it's not that you can't do something and then three days later look back and say, oh, I should have maybe said that a little bit differently, or maybe I should have waited a little while before I jumped right on the on the on the ox cart there. Uh, so there in that way there are misunderstandings. You could call them mistakes. I don't know if that's helpful, but just mi mi misalignment with something. But you will get better and better at that the more you practice and the more, and so if you want to call that improvement, go ahead. I just don't teach improvement. And the reason I don't teach it is there isn't a solid being that can improve, that doesn't mean there can't be improvement. How much did that help you? It is a step in a certain direction. How's that for a lawyerly answer? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Your Honor. <laughs> yes, Ian. Ian Malling, if I am looking for relative relief, off the cushion from um, the suffering of mind or body, like therapy or a protocol, a plan. Yes. Am I, am I in a sense leaving the spiritual path or setting up odds? No. No. And if I were to go down the line, you might, you could. This is up to you. But you could talk to, uh, find a therapist who's also a meditator. They wouldn't even have to be a part of this community. Uh, you could find uh, um, someone to talk to. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Uh, it might be somebody in the community. It might be the might be the teacher, and it might not be. But I think it's a. This is the, this is why it makes it so difficult, and why it is uh, even more difficult if we buy into some kind of protocol or a right way to do it as opposed to this or that. So, but I don't think you can make a mistake. If the intention is to help yourself and help others and to be as clear as possible, I think the attention will take care of you. And then, then you'll have the insight to see this, this direction may not be so workable. You won't necessarily come in and criticize anyone else who's doing that, but it might not be for you. I have a different question. Um, as we find ourselves in caregiver type roles, maybe yes. a therapist or a, a youth leader, a healthcare professional of yes. this time. How do we navigate that? I'm seeing it as a boundary of no meddling when we are being faced with such atrocity yes. and suffering. How can we go into that? How, how can we go into that with this teaching of no meddling, which is... Okay, so the meddling part, what I'm saying here is we need to be quite aware of how much we presume we know what the problem is, and we go into it based on, on our projection of what the problem is. That's why it's so important to 
not meddle. But that doesn't mean turn and run the other way. It might mean step right into it, step further. How do you mean? How is this? How does this feel for you? How are you working with this right now? Uh, is is this? Is there anything that you're doing that's giving you relief from this? I'm talking about someone who's been abused uh, three weeks, three years ago, who's still suffering. You follow me a little bit? So to go in and work with that <clears throat> in a way that is respectful of the confusion, you have no idea what they're going through. But it's very important to be with them, sit with them, uh, be aware, very aware of their body language. When I say language, I'm not saying it's like uh, listening to someone speak Polish. Just listen to it. You don't have to understand. And with Polish, you have to understand it. Body language, you do not have to understand. If you go into understanding body language, you start to think you know what everybody's doing by the way they're standing or the way they're holding their arms. This is a big misunderstanding. It's not that there is no little bit of truth there, but there's not enough to make a protocol up or a, an algorithm that says that all you have to do is look at the algorithm and you'll know what everybody, what is happening with everybody and whether they're covering things up or whether they're being gen, uh, genuine with you or not. So receive, receive, receive. And here we go back to my particular bias is the way you train yourself to receive is works, receive whatever arises in your mind without adding anything to it. If something arises in your mind and you add, you judge, you put anything on it, blame them, him, her, this situation, blame yourself, anything, but just receiving the negativity that shows up, we tend to go in circles and make possibly make things worse with the intention that we want to help because we want to be right. We want to be the one who helps. Be very respectful of someone's confusion and ask them about it. Uh, you might find that if you ask them, you might start to get a different understanding of what is happening with them. More time spent on receiving, receiving. You could say before you take them into surgery, let's let's really talk to them a lot and find out a lot about them, get to know them, have have lunch with them, spend some time with them. More about that's a good area to question in because I'm not, when I say don't meddle, I'm, I'm not saying shut down and don't do anything, stay there. Just the same thing in, uh, in Sano's situation. His, since he's an attorney, it might be quite a bit different, but there's still a lot of room to really investigate what, what is the foundational issue or problem that's happening there and how is that being handled with that person in that moment, even though it might have happened a long time ago. More. Beyond bowing. So if we are watching ourselves march into something with somebody, there's a curiosity, there's some a lot of receiving going on, maybe if um, I can't hook up the question part right now. I, I have time. If you're going into. So if we find our, if we're watching ourselves march into that, not march into it, but just kind of go into that situation with a person. Yes. Where there's a lot of suffering. Um, and in the midst of that, there well for myself there's this these thoughts that come in that are like don't meddle don't do that don't do that and it and I'm how 
Go ahead. I'm doing right now what I'm telling you to do. Can we ever really be sure or, or know if we're meddling or not? Probably not. But the intention not to meddle will take it quite a ways so that you can get closer to the actual uh, area that is infected or is sore or is, is the issue rather than something about the issue where you start to fix symptoms instead of the actual core problem. That's why sitting practice of meditation, forget Buddhism. I mean, it's hard for me to do that, but just train your mind so you can see. So when you smell, taste, hear, touch, think, anything that shows up in the mind stream so that you are not bullshitting yourself because you're afraid or because you're afraid of being wrong or you're afraid of meddling. The, the, the fear of meddling is pretty powerful. So it will keep you on your proverbial toes to see so that you you know that what you're doing with that is going to be something that's coming out of your awareness. You probably need to be supportive of this person in this way or that way without necessarily giving them advice that they need to do this or that. Like, would you, would you jump to a conclusion if somebody came to you and said, my, my psychiatrist wants me to do a electroshock therapy. What do you think I should do? That's a hard one for me. I might. You, you might. You, you say mice or might? I might. You might say, yes, go ahead and do that. I might say, please, can, please consider other things. Or, or oh, you might say, please consider other things. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that would just pretty difficult to just come to a conclusion when somebody asks you a question like that. Take one more from you, and that's it. <laughs> the Yun bowing. Why is it so terrifying to? I mean, I can't know if I'm leading with awareness particularly, but in those caring situations where you're going into a difficult space, somebody. Why is it so? Why is it so terrifying to lead with awareness? Because awareness is vulnerable and unprotected. It's like walking into a woods, a dark woods with no flashlight. So if you got a flashlight, at least you know where the trees are. But if you're walking there with no flashlight, you have to be very sensitive and contrast. And if you have a bright light, which which is a symbol for your concepts, your ideas, your judgments, your standards, who's right, who's wrong, you can really see what this is. Then you, you will navigate it like that. But what you do is you miss the spaces between things. In other words, you miss the actual structure of the idea that is arising as you should do this or you should do that, but you can't do that. So, and that quite often is is layered with fear. Hope for something better, fear of something worse. Go slow. Go slow. Take your time. If you're on me very much, you see you'll see that I'm very slow, which can easily mis be mistaken for laziness. <laughs> Would you say? <laughs> but it's not. Yes, sir. I had two questions. Yes. One is in the phrase when you say someone might not be ready to do this. Yes. What do you mean with that if it's not setting that up as a, a higher, more profound thing? It's just it, it's not higher, more profound. It's just that there's other things that need to be done. So they're not ready for this. It would be um, just like uh, even though I've 
practiced the, pra the practice I practiced the most was tantric practices over many, many years. I teach them a little bit, but not much. Well, I teach a very simple practice, sit down, hold still, observe. There's no fancy cosmology or deities or mudras or things that you have to do that have to do with the connection between the body and the mind and the speech. But we do a little bit of that. So when I say they're not, not might not be ready for that, that's not a, that's not judging them particularly. It's just saying that they may need to work with us in a different way. Just like if somebody comes to me and God, I, don't, I can't give personal examples because it's, it's confidential stuff, but somebody comes and says, uh, I just want to do this with, with art. I don't want to do this with meditation. What am I going to say to him? What do you think I would say? Do you know what I would say? You have any idea what I would say? Spit it out. You don't know because I don't know. I don't teach know this. and I don't teach do this, don't do that. But I can tell you that I have said to that person, paint. How about meditation? Well, if you meditate, meditate. But you want to paint, paint. And I mean it. And is there, are they somehow less or doing? No, I have no idea what your karma is, what that person's karma is. I have no idea what it is. But if somebody comes in as a student, might not be a student very long, but I can't teach them how to paint. Can't even do it myself. But if they come and present that, and then I see there's a genuine person who's here who is sincere. Uh, I'm have a pretty good bullshit detector, having looked at this for long time so i can see it in other people and i can see when somebody is not bullshitting themselves they just need to do this this way or that way and is that what you're asking me and you won't have a, a standard for how to do that each person the, the shape of people's mind that minds as it appears to you if you're familiar with how your mind is shaped You'll be much more clear about other people's minds. Why is it? Why is that? I'm getting a little bit away from our topic here, but I'm saying you're not really separate from anyone. And some people know this intuitively. Intuitively, really good therapist knows this intuitively. It might scare them because then they're worried about their identity. But I'm not worried about anybody's identity because there there is no such thing as a separate identity. That's the reality that I'm looking at, and that's how I'm able to even stand, set up here and presume to even function as a teacher because I certainly am not a therapist I think some therapies are very interesting the way they work uh, the center for feeling therapy back in the early 70s which I uh, thought about going there was also Arthur Janoff's book uh, Primal Screen was using expression to get rid or to expunge your negativity and so this is something uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono practice quite a bit some of their music sounds like Primal Screams <laughs> And so right, wrong, what, I don't know what it is. I didn't go in that direction, but I studied it. I looked at it. Um, transactional analysis, I'm okay, you're okay, that kind of thing has a, has a certain dynamic there that works. Just like uh, Byron Katie, when she talks about uh, ask four questions, turn it around, using it conceptually. But even she has, not too long ago, has begun to encourage her students, people that are practicing uh, the... Uh, uh, her particular way of working with consciousness uh, that's uh, wrapped up in uh, negativity is to uh, encouraging them to meditate also besides the, that four question situation. Yes. Sure, um, <clears throat> in a lot of 
drug rehab therapies and, yes. and different groups like that. There's there's just a known enemy, like we need to stop doing drugs. Yes. And the whole thing's based on succeeding at that or working yes. towards that. Why doesn't that go far enough? What do you mean by far enough? Is that still a mundane path? It's uh, I, I don't know how helpful it is to come and judge this and judge that. That's that's part of it. Uh, maybe it looks like I'm doing. I'm I I have even said this is just a chunk of wood. I don't believe in Buddhism. Buddhism is a the Buddha's teaching from 2,500 years is a path to realize your true nature to realize what this is, not something to believe in. It's just uh, even the word Buddhism is a just means awake. And so there's all kinds of ways of working with with something like um, addictions, as which it sounds like that's what you're talking to talking about, and. You know, you can say from some experience, some of it's personal, but you know, we just meet it where it's at. Maybe you can stop doing that altogether. Maybe you need to stop it for three weeks. Maybe you need to get some space. Maybe you need to play around, not 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 the entertainment kind of playing, but play around with that and how you do that. It needs to come from you. I, I'm not going to be able to lay something on you, but we talk about it together. Don't you notice the mutuality of that, of how that works? Well, right and wrong are just extra. They're not not helping anybody. Success and failure get get in the way of really working with the consciousness, with the awareness, when it is tied in with the body, which is not separate from the consciousness, and it is operating in terms of uh, being um, the conventional word is addicted or stuck on something. Stuck on you need when things get bad, you need to do this. And once in a while, people will go and meditate when they feel bad. Other times they'll. Uh, meditate first, then feel bad. You notice that? <laughs> More about it? Go ahead. Maybe another way to ask it is you you don't set it up as just like don't do this and it's uh -huh. not this absolute thing. Um, what does setting it up like that allow us to see that locking down on that as a problem covers up? Anytime, we fundamentally, let's say ultimately I can make one statement. We have no control. If you think you have control, then this is the very nature of confusion, of wars, uh, war and peace, war and peace, life and death, up and down, back and forth, good and evil, all the polarities, uh, control, no control. You actually have more control if you don't try to control anything. Uh, like, uh, I can't remember her name. She was a teacher, wrote a book called, uh, no, I can't even remember the name of the book. Uh, I don't even know what she said. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm not that bad off. She said, uh, uh, look which way the river is flowing and and then tell the river to flow that way. <laughs> what was her name? Barry Stevens. Watching the river flow. So uh, it was like, uh, just align yourself with the energy that's already there because you're really not separate from any energy anywhere. Nor are you the same. So you can't really get this uh, incredible um, boost from the, the consciousness for your ego to feel like a supreme being or something or like you're a deity. Isan. Isan Bowie, I want to return to uh, the talking about working with teenagers because I'm back in the alternative high school in Traverse City. Please do. So, and when you and I initially talked about it, you recommended I start with Shikantaza, and I have done that. Um, it's difficult for them. So here's my question. You yep. teach 
you teach little kids how to meditate and you say you you ring the bell and then 30 seconds or a minute later you ring it again and you have them get up and you they dance around with teenagers there's a storm of negativity that's always in their mind and to sit in chicken taza and receive that negativity is very difficult is there a similar way that you can think of as a technique to give them a break from that difficulty, but yet introduce them to the concept of inviting it or receiving it. I'm sorry. Only you would know, but let me make some suggestions. Uh, Start them out with uh, sitting still and uh, introduce them to it. uh, You know, in a way that you say you're trying to see more deeply and you can, you can get them to agree with you. We all know how hard it is to really think about anything and get any clarity. Clarity just feels more and more confusing, especially if the problem itself is, uh, totally unworkable. You could bring them in that way and say, so let's, let's do something. Let's, let's just unplug it. Don't even call it meditation. As soon as you call as soon as you use the conventional name of anything, people immediately go to what the, what, what the society or the culture thinks says that means. Don't do that. Say, just say, use some other example. We're going to, um, we're just gonna, we've got a hot plate and we're gonna, well, they might not know what a hot plate is. Um, <laughs> Let's see, we've got a, uh, I can't even think of anything. Most of us, the hairdryer is running our whole life. Just that mind is running and running and running all the time, heating up, cooling off, heating up. So we're going to plug, we're going to pull the plug or at least try to pull the plug on that. We're going to sit very still and we're going to start with a bell. We're going to end with a bell and we're going to start out with sitting a minute and a half. Make it an, uh, uh, make it, make it an uneven number. And you you understand what why it's that way. Then go and then and then stop and then talk about it a little bit. How was that? How, what did that feel like? And then and and make it uh, give it short so someone doesn't go into some kind of a uh, a diatribe or a dithyrambic uh, explanation of of all the various things that arose uh, from butterflies to muskrats in their mind. In that because some people really want to express themselves, don't let them do that. In other words, say, just like you have a you have a minute to say what happened, and then everybody does does that, and then go back and sit for three minutes. Do it very gradually. Don't don't do uh, twenty minutes, half an hour. Are these people, uh, um, 15, 16, 17? Yes. Yeah. seventeen. Seventeen. That's still that's still uh, youth. Um, I think uh, you can, you can't really set up a an area where someone is an adult. I we're going to do that. Then I would say. Uh, about 29 to 30 to 31 before that you're just a child yeah. you shouldn't yeah. be allowed to drink or smoke or or drive a corvette he's unbowing sometimes they're very interested in um techniques that they've read about or heard about like chanting yeah. or breath work um what what would be your recommendation on working with my response to that my intuition or things that i've heard of myself bowing you could do that so that they they don't feel you know they feel like they're just getting served this one dish you know this one mindfulness dish and and tell them they can have their eyes open or closed give them that choice maybe i didn't say that to you before but i'm saying it now <clears throat> and then and then uh, say okay we'll do that now let's do now let's uh, do what is conventionally called chanting and then give them a, a syllable and it could be, it doesn't have to be a uh, a traditional religious uh, syllable like om or whom or something like that. 
Ah isn't a bad one. You could say ah, or you could say bad. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't end it with a D, you might have a lot of sheep coming in the room. <laughs> so you have to say have to end it with D. So uh, and and then just do that for a very short period of time, and then stop, and then go back maybe to just uh, awareness, and then go back to a, a very short discussion of the thing, and then back to the awareness again. And then maybe maybe do a little bit of concluding there. Like, uh, is this interest you? If you want to continue in this area, there's lots of room to explore in this area. Anybody interested? And you might you might find uh, maybe half of the people there might be interested and keep continuing to go. And you could also ask them for another direction. Do they see? Do they see? In other words, some interaction with them, a Q and A kind of thing with these young people. Is there some area of it that I uh, that you were interested in, in the, the response from here that I didn't get or say? Oh, that's all very helpful. And one thing I did want to add because it came to me in the discussion, but the t particular teenager who participates in Chikantaza the most and and most effective—I don't know—effectively, she 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 values it. She's yes. been through drug rehab and a lot of therapy. She's been what? Been through drug rehab and a lot of therapy. So she, I mean, that underlying foundational work of therapy with kids, there seems to be, um, that seems to be kind of a, a training wheel for being able to um, value meditation and do it. Um, and I'm totally in favor of that. It might be. By some, because I'm usually talking to people who are already meditators, so I, I want them to keep meditating. So I'm biased in that area. So uh, if somebody starts to say, "Well, I think I need to go back into therapy and not meditate anymore," then I, I might. Uh, it would depend on who who it is and what our relationship was, what the chemistry was between this teacher and that student. Uh, I might say, "Okay, we'll go back and do that for six months or a year. See how that is." In other words. Put it back on that person. So rather than go in and say, no, you have to keep uh, doing shikantaza. Some people, I even have them close their eyes. Usually I say, open them if you can. But if you really feel like you need to close your eyes, I trust your or uh, the my students' intuition about this. Uh, I might insist on having your eyes open at some point. But initially, I might say, well, close your eyes then. See how that is. Close your eye If you're going to sit for an hour or two hours, close your eyes for the first hour. And then open your eyes. I have found, I don't know about other people who've taught meditation, but found that quite often if people do much eyes open meditation, they realize there's something there. I don't know if you can put it into words. When you close your eyes, it's very similar to resting or going to sleep. And it can be quite pleasant to, to do eyes closed meditation if, you, if you're doing it a lot. And you have scanning the body techniques, satipatthana and so on. Have ways of doing it, like uh, uh, was taught by S.N. Goenka. Very powerful, very transformative. Completely changed the lives of the inmates that he talked to in, uh, in prisons in India. It's just, uh, it's just that it doesn't last very long. So you have to keep returning to that to try to reinvigorate that. Yes, sir. Sometimes, and when you're speaking to just meditators, or you're not talking about this topic, someone might ask a question where they're looking to correct something or feel better and you say that's the mundane path yes um and it is 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 that setting the mundane path up as like less valuable than the spiritual path that's why i'm doing this is because no 
No, because it, I could see where I'm biased. I, I say it. I'm biased. I want you to. I want you to realize your true nature. I don't want you to just be um, uh, temporarily happy because it's temporary. Death is coming. You've been warned. How's that? Been warned. It's coming. There's anything coming, but that. A lot of other things in between. Ice cream, lots of it. Uh, Indian food, thanks to um, Varun. Varun, I remembered his name. Pretty good for an old fellow. Yes, go ahead. If we Not meet Varun, me. Go ahead. <laughs> if we meet someone in in their mundane path, yes, and we meet them where they're at, yes, is that the spiritual path? Of course. If you're if you're on the spiritual path, and you understand it as a path that transcends everything, it sees that this is an illusion, even if you're just doing it intellectually, everything is the spiritual path. Everyone is a Buddha. That's not something you believe in. It's just something you hear and you practice it. Not, not that they're the historical guy. No, but they're, they're, they're the awakening that the Buddha pointed to. Everyone is awake. They just don't know it. And that's what this person is here to encourage you to do, to see your true nature. But you may need uh, a meanness, sincerely. You may need to uh, have a work with a therapist so that those areas of the mind that are making it more difficult for you to relate with uh, the truth of the Buddhist teachings. Suffering, life is suffering. Some people have been maybe not abused in this lifetime, but maybe in another lifetime. Do I believe in that? Not necessarily. But there's something going on besides this lifetime. And you can call it whatever you want. I'm, I'm just going to call it that. So, yes, meet people where they're at. Spiritual path. If you're uh, if you're uh, on the spiritual path and you you're practicing the Buddha's teaching as you see it, and as you're you're guided by your teacher and by your community, and everything is they don't they you might meet someone and talk to them for weeks because you're involved in some project. They might not even know you're a monk, or they might not even know you're a Buddhist. It just doesn't come up because you're receiving what they're doing, what they're saying, and you're relating to them where they're at. Yes, sir. Andy Valley. How, like, in with therapy, there's there's a lot of outflows and, and things like that. Yes. How does that not just lead to more circularity? And with uh, practicing meditation and actually doing therapy too, mm -hmm. it could. But it's the awareness of the circuit of the circularity, not stopping it. So that that would be a good uh, thank you. That would be a good way of being more uh, aware of circularity by by actually working with a therapist. They might may not know that that they're looking at the Buddha, but you do. You hear that? I know you hear it because I can see your ears are not plugged. You see what I'm saying there? See how kind of a meaningless statement that is? They may not. What did I say? They may not. You remember? Uh, no, they're looking at the Buddha, but you do. Choke it out, explain that to him. <laughs> Are you going to explain it to him? Oh. I have a well, let's, well, let's, let me see if I can't get him to repair or retread his tires. <laughs> you, know, you see that? You have a further question. I don't, I don't mean to. I mean, I don't. I don't. What you said was helpful. 
Reflect on it's a good question. And I thought it was just an excellent response, didn't you? See how I kept from getting trapped. Mazuka <laughs> Bowing, sometimes you talk about um, being aware of how when you label something, say just call it depression, it shuts down on continuing to investigate it or really look into it. Yes. Yes. I, I want to caveat and say that the therapists that happen to be your students, just from talking to them, I can tell they may not be super focused on labels, but a lot of therapy is focused on a diagnosis and then yes. how to, how can we, along the lines of what Andy was talking about, or you're saying you might look at the circularity, how can we work with labels and judgments that come from, yes, somebody whose intention may be to help you, but I think it's so, again, that, that fancy word that I go to all the time is so situational. I would say less is better. If you don't, if you don't need a therapist, then don't have one. But if you need one, then if you need some kind of help in that area by someone who is uh, working with a particular, uh, you know, cognitive behavioral kind of stuff is very conceptual, at least my understanding of it. I have not studied it. I don't have a degree in any of that. But that's, it works with the conceptual stuff. Um, more about that? We can ask a therapist here. We've got two of them, at least. Well, I might have a question that maybe they can weigh in on. But All right, I'm ready. It Get seems ready. like those labels um, help them in their practice, help them sort of Be come therapist. up with a protocol or, okay. or build something to insurance. So, um, yeah, is there a perspective that we can have on labels and judgments allow people to use them if it helps okay. them help you but not buy into them how can we not i'm going to get some help professional telling you something okay kelsey did you hear that <laughs> can't hear you Harrison, can you understand what she's saying? <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> Something's rattling. Uh, uh, Chazon's trying to adjust the uh, rattler receiver. It, it may be her connectivity. Yeah, he's blaming you. That's your fault. <laughs> so can you straighten that up, or do you just need to send a and do it? Okay. So... Sent sent you still here? Where is she? Here. Then, what what do you, how would you respond to to that? I mean, I can say something about it too. But since you're you're a therapist, uh... I lost the question. I heard it, but I can't recall what the basic question was. What What are you basically asking? And we both. Mm -hmm. I, I'm considering how therapy or some kind of relative help can help somebody. When can you hear suffering? Okay, she hears you. Go ahead. Um, but the labels could shut down investigation. Give me an example of a label. Uh, you have depression disorder. Okay. And you just yeah. label that. Okay. Um, is there a way to work with those labels still still maybe receive the benefit without buying into those labels? Okay. Good question. How does that look to you, since you? Each of those labels has a lot of 
a short list of stones that that would make that label fit their person's experience. Are you and Chelsea using the same computer? <laughs> oh, is it not working? Oh, it's working fine. We just can't understand you. Oh. It's going, okay. Yeah, you're not doing that, though. You're not talking like that. Not intending to. That's pretty clear. So make uh, take what you just said and and uh, edit it down or call Paul Sean. He'll do it for you. Okay. Um, I think that those labels can be helpful to have a common language. Common language. And, and to use those as maybe a basis to look, to look deeper into what the experience is. Okay. Um, look telling. basis to look deeper. Kelsey, you want to try No? Oh, okay. You could type something in. There's a, I don't see any other therapists. I was thinking maybe Kelly was here, but I don't see her. Okay, so, yes. Is meditation circular? It, it, it's going to go through a lot of circularity before it eventually doesn't do that. But eventually it doesn't do anything. More? That, that question, just to say, is coming out of, it looks like when I look at therapy and meditation as the title, that it could be looked at as circular path and a straight path. And I'm wondering if that's a misunderstanding. I, I wouldn't do anything with it. I'm just... I'm, I'm endeavoring to talk about um, therapy uh, as it's taught all over the place or conducted or people receive help in, uh, using that particular dynamic, um, psychotherapy, all the different therapies that came up uh, hundreds of years, hundred years ago with uh, Freud and Jung and Adler, the, the early ones, uh, right up to and including literally thousands of different ideas about how to work with the mind, including electroshock therapy. Just, you just need to go in there and give them a bolt of lightning and then everything straightens up. And it might even do that to some extent, situationally. But I wouldn't go in and, because just the word meditation is too generic and just the word uh, therapy, it's just, it's just too, there's no one therapy, there's no one meditation. Even shikantaza, which I teach, is different for each person. If you go and sit and face the wall and practice shikantaza, and uh, Juzan faces the wall, practices shikantaza, or just anyone else, anyone else, uh, Nishikai, uh, all uh, you're all working with the mind in a different way. You have a very simple approach to it: sit down, hold still, watch the movement of the mind. But how that shows up for any one of you is going to be completely unique and different. That, that's been my experience talking to you or working with my own practice over the last number of years. Go ahead. Does our intention transform any modality into a spiritual path? Well, if you have the intention to see the truth, no matter what, and you stop looking for proof, 
if you're looking for proof, it's the mundane path. Not wrong. It could be a very highfalutin form of, of the truth. R read the uh, philosophers and people who work with strong intellectual premise uh, about the way things are. Friedrich Hegel, Schopenhauer, Nietzsche, um, and all the existentialist uh, people who were looking at what this was and trying to explain what it was using concepts and ideas. Not wrong, it's just amazing descriptions, amazing ability to think, to make circular thought look like a straight line. But it's still thought, there's still ideas, there's still concepts trying to get something and turn it into something else, turn it into an understand. Here's the misunderstanding and here's the understanding. That's polarity. Uh, the Dharma is not doing that. The Buddha 2,500 years ago looked at it and said, the teaching there was, uh, there, isn't, there isn't anything. Teaching of emptiness, yet it's still there. So what does that mean? Uh, wh what can you do with that conceptually or psychologically to squeeze some kind of accuracy or proof that it's real or unreal? Or... You can't, or you could, you could. But the intention, actually, there's no intender. Nothing was intended. Eventually, it just completely collapses. Why would you do such a thing? Why not just study Dogen or something and live in a pup tent? I got a few people to smile. <laughs> I'm one of them. Yuhong, go ahead. I have a follow-up question about Andy's asking uh, regarding the app flow. When one sees the therapist, if she, he, they are awareing, aware of reinforcing the app flow, is that a concern? Bowing. The main thing I come back to is awareness, awareness, awareness. The structure of cause and effect, this cause, that cause, that. This is aware, this isn't aware. This is covering this up. This is all of those things. Just need, you just need to be aware of it. It will, it will, it will, because nothing lasts. So anything that shows up as a problem will not last. But if you fool around with it, if you push it away, it's a problem. Or if you try to support it or figure it out, I'm not saying that you you couldn't work with something that was problematic. There's different ways of working with that. I was talking about uh, addictions where you say, okay, you have an addiction, you're working with that. Okay, let's take a week off. Let's not, let's just, just or three days or, or one whole day. My addiction uh, many years ago was smoking cigarettes. And I would keep doing that until I finally just stopped. Just don't do that anymore. But it, it was very hard, very, 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 uh, nicotine's a very difficult addiction. Not saying it's the hardest. Uh, probably there are a lot of other ones that are much worse, but it was hard for me. Sano. No? Uh, Thank you. You, know, you have another one you have? Yes, I do, actually. My second question is um, uh, my fear of messing up my students' experience of trying shikantaza uh, is very strong. They have been very good with just basic basic mindfulness practice. They know exactly the posture. They, they feel good. 
most of the time when I ask them, either they are tired or they feel、uh, stressed about the homework load. So how, how old are they? They're teenagers. And how how long do you have them uh, set uh, meditation for? For mindfulness, basically, is about five minutes. Oh, good. Usually before the class, yeah. Well, well don't teach them chicken powder. Just teach them, uh, uh, let them close their eyes and do whatever they want to do. Yeah, don't teach them.、Uh, don't teach them that. But in the future, if I want to <laughs> introduce them this practice, I'm you know I'm afraid of messing up the, their experience of feeling very rigid or fe- feeling. Want some help? Yes, I want to hear yours. You're not that important. Not that important. Their karma is the weight, the force, the the intensity of the karma of these young people is way more、uh, powerful than anything you could do or not do. Your intention to do to be good, to do good, to be kind, to fundamentally give them something to do besides just uh, uh, indulge in their thought patterns. Uh, Some they can just sit still for a while. So I think you're doing fine. You don't you don't need results. You don't you just need the intention, the intention, the intention. Chisho, do you have a question? Thank you, Pali. You're welcome. Chisho, Aling.、Uh, no, I was going to read out、uh, Kelsey's answer、uh, to the question you you asked about label. Yes, please.、Uh, she says, for some people, a label can help them understand the resistance they have. To finding paths of healing, so it can help them observe from a new angle. Yeah, like that, like that. Did that didn't that question come from you? Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? It looks to me like it takes skill to use labels skillfully, like it does. suggestions, and then. Not everybody has that skill. No, they don't. Further question? Aren't you concerned about the people that don't have that skill? Sure. Why don't you help them? How? How can I help them?、Mm, what do you got in mind right now? <laughs> Talk about it. Shut up and help them. I'm watching the body language because I know that's what's happening. What's happening? What's happening right now? You feel picked on? No, I、oh, just、good. have no idea what you're suggesting. Do you think that Kelsey's picking on you? No, was she? <laughs> Did I miss it? I have no, no idea what you're. She was not. No, I'm, just I'm just showing you what circles look like. I don't mind circles. I can talk on. I don't need to make any sense at all. Whole world is functioning in circles, and but it, the problem is the fixation on this part of the circle is right. This other part of the circle is wrong. It's a, it's astonishing understanding, and it's very simple. But ego is afraid that it's going to be turn up as a fool, so it doesn't want to be wrong. So it would rather be go in circles. You don't have to help those people. Reflect on that. Yes, sir. Rebelling, you are admittedly biased about shikantaza. You say that all the time.、Yeah. Um, how can you have that bias and see something that's really helpful, but still、um, give people the space to do something that might look kind of off to you? It doesn't look off. It, lo- it, lo- it looks like they're doing exactly what they need to do, which is not 
practice Shikantaza. I have people come here and swear allegiance and uh, I love you, Sokathan, and I want to practice forever and, and I'm going to be whatever. And then just go the other direction, not even say anything about it. Just, they're just gone. I don't even hear from some people I haven't heard from in, in years. Are they incorrect? No, they're doing what they need to do. They did, did, they did this as much as they could. Now they're doing something else, but there, there's not, there are no mistakes. If you think they're mistakes, then that's where we, that's where wars come from. Some people are wrong and they need to be punished. Right. How do we work with our own practice? At least speaking for myself, when I might have that bias and look down on the way someone else is working with their situation. Just be aware that you're looking down on it. You don't have to fix it because if you fix it, then the, the looking down on it goes into hiding. You're still doing that. It just looks like you're not. You know what I'm talking about. Of all people. I mean, you're just constantly looking down on everybody. So you have plenty of opportunity to see how what a terrible person you are. Is that helpful? <laughs> <laughs> Andre, why aren't you smiling? Lost in thought? Is there a final anything? Is there anything about therapy and meditation where that there's some still some kind of understanding that 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 we need to address? Or do you have anything? Anything, especially from the therapist? Oh, Milka, go ahead. Milka Bowen, are there certain characteristics when we go into therapy or some practice that's um, not Shikantaza that we should look for that might be helpful in our awareness practice. Um, I'm not sure. Are you in therapy? No problem. I was just thinking of um, what I had done brain spotting with Senshu, mm -hmm. how that opens up some area I wouldn't even have looked at or yeah. thought about, or, you know. No, there's another kind of. to release something that I don't even know what it is. So I would talk to, I would talk to Senshu about. You have one session, two sessions, three sessions. I would, I would go back and talk to her about that. That's a particular way of. Uh, she has a particular way of working with that with that approach. So, and I'm. I don't know if I've ever conveyed the feeling to. Have I ever conveyed the feeling to you, sent you that I don't approve of brain spotting and that I think that people shouldn't do that. They should do shikandaza instead. See. <laughs> Did she shake her head? Huh? Did she shake her That's head? Not... She's shaking her head. No, that she didn't shake her head. <laughs> oh, got it. Oh, the the attorney mind is about ready to kick in here. No. Always. Always okay. Yeah, I would go back and do do some more of that brain spotting. If that's something that is opening up, I can't address that because I don't teach it, don't practice it. I'm very interested in it. Have you done that with me at all, that brain spotting? How did I do? No brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, My brain good. had spots all over. It was full of spots. Yes? It was good. Uh -huh. Right. It was good. I'm glad to hear that. Yes, sir. Sort of bowing. Um, Something I noticed, like in, when you go through court-ordered help, um, 
they require you to get therapy or go to 12-step programs. And there's only a really small group of things that they'll like view as like that you're doing what you're being asked to do. Like 12-step. Like 12-step. Um, is there any way for the meditation practice to show up structured to where the courts would approve of coming to a place like this for those hours? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, that's why we have two attorneys here. Aren't you guys going to figure that out? If you want, yeah. We have yeah. a drug court here. Huh? If you want, yeah, I can work on that. We have a drug court here. Okay. Talk to him about it. Shota's going to come and talk to you about that. <laughs> Lots of things that can be done, the, the legal restrictions on all kinds of things. And this could be one of them where you, this this might not be for everyone, but this might be a way that some people could work with that in this kind of a community or this kind of a practice. These this these particular kinds of forms, not for everyone, but it doesn't mean that the ones that it isn't for that they're somehow less and we're these great monks and and everybody else needs to you know feel humble. I'll take one final question if there is one, otherwise we can pack it up. No questions anywhere? Susan, you don't have any questions? All this time you've been sitting there with no questions? That's very strange. Susan Bowing, I'm in my car, so. Oh. Hard to ask a question, I think. Okay. But I, I do have one, actually. I don't know if you can hear me. I can um, hear you. I just can't hear the question. Oh. Uh, so my question is, I know you talk a lot about the therapy and, the, and meditation, and, and yet, you know, the, the Theravadans, I mean, there are a number of those teachers who are um, psychologists, Jack Kornfield, Tara Brock, I think, Jack Kornfield's wife, and then there was the um, that guy, Epstein, who is this Buddhist psychologist. In other words, I, I guess what's confusing to me, the question is the I, I've never I never heard the issue discussed before. And I'm I'm wondering what it is about the two that brings it up so much with with you, I guess is the way to say it, bowing. You mean therapy and meditation? Yeah. I don't know. It's just uh, um, there's lots of different kinds of meditation. I don't te teach what a Tara Bach or a Jack Cornfield teach. Uh, they they you can, we call it meditation, but it's not the same thing. And I and also um, probably right here in in our situation here, whatever uh, um, whatever Sensu is doing with the brain spotting and what uh, uh, what uh, Kelsey's doing with her um, the kinds of therapy that she's working with with people. Uh, might be just completely different ways of doing the whole thing. There's lots of different kinds of therapy. I think the last time I counted was several, maybe five, six years ago, I, I counted up what was listed in Wikipedia. I think it was up to 180. It was listed in Wikipedia. I went in there today, it was 500. So it took me a few hours to read all those. <laughs> so I think I need to let you go so you can drive. I see all those trees moving by and it looks like you're not looking at them. <laughs> okay yes let's let's, let's uh, bring this to uh
the uh, conclusion that usually happens when I put something to garbage. 